Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Got a really good Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined by a longtime junior college head coach, Mike Draggy. He's the head coach at Westmoreland County Community College. That's a uh, Division Three junior college program in Youngwood, Pennsylvania. Give me a quick background on Coach Draggy before we jump into questions with him. Certainly a lot of uh, knowledge to grab from him today. He is a 1984 graduate of Northwestern Oklahoma State University, a Division Two school, obviously, in Oklahoma. He got his college coaching career started at Westmoreland County Community College when he started the team back in 1992. He's the only head coach in the history of the program. He's been there for 28 years. He has 723 career wins, eight conference championships under his belt in his time there. The team went to the NJCAA World Series in both 2005 and 2011. The 2005 team finished fourth in the country. In 2007, he was also inducted into the Pennsylvania American Legion Sports Hall of Fame after a good long uh, tenure as a, an American Legion coach. He also spent time coaching at the high school level at Greensburg Salem High School. Coach Draghi, I sincerely appreciate you spending time on the podcast with us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Good to be here. Well, typically, I like to start with something from the bio that stands out to me, and, and certainly there are several places I think we can go to with you, but the first question I'd like to ask you is just kind of going back to the beginning, how in the world you ended up playing uh, your college ball at Northwestern Oklahoma State? Well, as a as a high school guy, I, I wanted to play college base, wanted to go to college, wanted to play baseball, and uh, one of my youth football league coaches of all people uh, had some some ties in the Midwest uh, in the Oklahoma area, and he set set me up with uh, uh, Northwestern Oklahoma State University, which is where he had gone to college, and. And I ended up uh, just getting on a bus and heading to Oklahoma in 1979 and stayed there five years and received my degree and came back home. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I always think those stories are, are cool because I, you know, now you can go to, you know, you go to these perfect game tournaments or, or whatever the companies are that are that are holding tournaments, and you can go to one spot and you can see kids from all over the country that are playing, and it's a little bit different. I would I would assume now than it was back then. Uh, but you know, you hear some hear about guys that you know they ended up playing across somewhere across the country or halfway across the country in the eighties, nineties, whenever it was. Uh, you know, before there were a lot of these huge national tournaments, and I'm just always interested to see how that how those stories played out. Uh, when you were there, coach, what was the roster like? I mean, were, were you one of the only guys from out of the area, or did you have a lot of guys that uh, that came from other places of the country like you did? Most guys were from the Midwest. Uh, we had a couple guys from Texas, which obviously isn't too far from Oklahoma. But uh, there was a little bit of a New Jersey connection with the football, basketball programs. So, but as a baseball guy, I was uh, probably the only guy from back east. Uh, but as I said, was fortunate to play for a couple of really awesome head coaches and uh, make some great friends and, and guys that uh, to this day we're still we still keep in touch, even though we're 
you know, 1,200 miles away, we, we still keep in touch. So it was obviously a great experience for me. That's great. Now, when it was when you had an opportunity to start the team at Westmoreland County, can you recall just that that whole that whole situation, the conversation you had maybe with you know the athletic director or whomever it was about starting the program, and just your own thought process about why this could be a good opportunity for you? Can you go back there and just kind of take us back to what that was like when when this whole thing got started? Sure. It was, it was very exciting. Uh, I was in my, I think, first or second, second year of teaching and, uh, saw an, an advertisement in the newspaper that, uh, Westmoreland County Community College was starting a baseball program and, uh, they were, you know, hiring a head coach. So I, I did the application process and, and, uh, got an interview. And the funny part is I, our, our, Community College Westmore is located in Youngwood, Pennsylvania, which is it borders the city of Greensburg. And I grew up in the Greensburg area, and I remember getting a phone call from uh, Human Resources to schedule an interview. So I was obviously very excited. And the funny thing is, I hung up the phone and I thought to myself, "I've never been to Westmoreland County Community College. I don't even know how to get there." And I, I had to call my dad. I said, "Dad, how do you get to Westmoreland County?" some of the other keys to bringing this program along and and getting yourself to a point in, in this area the area where where you guys are located not that far from where I am but you know what, what what were some of the keys for you guys to establish your program to start getting some good players you know to obviously you guys have you've won a lot of games two trips to the college world series is always very impressive no matter what level or where you are or, or how old or young a program is uh, what were some of the keys in your mind to establishing this program and and not only having success uh, in the classroom, which we'll get to, but but having success on the field as well? I, I think a lot of that success goes to uh, developing relationships. Um, 
uh, I'm a big proponent of uh, communicating <laughs> and and getting to know other people. I'm, I'm kind of guy where I have no problem walking up to someone, introducing myself, or starting a conversation with someone I don't know. Um, and and we've had some assistant coaches here in our program that that are helpful in going out recruiting and just getting our name out there. And and again the basically just developing relationships with with uh, local high school coaches, local summer league coaches. And then it, it kind of took off a little bit after that. Now, we've gotten to the point where every year we seem to have two or three guys from the Miami, Florida area, and that's because of a, a relationship that we've developed with a guy in Florida uh, who helps place some kids at four-year schools uh, throughout the country, and he does a really good job. He sends sends us some really awesome kids and and so our program has has grown in that area as well getting you know getting outside of Westmoreland County a little bit but I, I think the big thing is just developing relationships and then you get a phone call from a coach saying hey you know I've got a kid I think your place would be a good fit for him and and it just kind of goes from there are you restricted in any way as far as what areas of the country that you can recruit, or do you have to have X number of kids from within the county or within the state or, or anything like that? Just wondering if there are any restrictions on you or, or like other teams in your conference. No, there are no restrictions. Uh, it's, you know, if, if, a, if a person shows interest or a young man shows interest coming out of high school or if we see a guy uh, or someone, you know, gives us a name, uh, you know, we will approach that that student athlete or you know they will reach out to us and as, as a coach we get emails every day from uh local or not local but uh, national recruiting services uh things like that and sometimes you develop some relationships with 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 guys there and uh, you end up getting a player or two from those programs now you've got uh, a really interesting guy on your staff that i'm sure name recognition wise doesn't hurt uh to have especially when you you bring kids on campus or talk to them about your program you've got ken maka that uh that is involved with you guys ken maka a former uh, major league manager and a guy that's been involved in in pro ball for a long time can you tell us a little bit just about you know what what is his role how is he involved with you and, and how did that get started well i've known ken for probably close to 30 years and uh he He's a guy, uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, and he, he's been in, in pro baseball for I believe it was thirty nine or forty years as a coach, third base coach, bench coach, and a manager. Managed for six years, um, but he's also a guy that brings a lot of stability to our program. And and his coaching role is uh, he's at practice uh, basically every day. Uh, he comes to almost every game. He does not get in uniform. Uh, he sits in the, in his lawn chair in the bleachers and watches games. So we, we kind of tease him. We call him the general manager. He's the GM. So, uh, because he'll call, you know, we'll play a game, you know, tomorrow, you know, today and then tomorrow morning, eight o'clock in the morning, he'll call me and he'll have all of his notes. He'll say, Hey, you know, Billy, <laughs> Billy was doing this or Billy was doing that. We got to get him down in the cage and work on this today at practice. Uh, he's very, very good at teaching um, young guys uh, the fundament number one on the fundamentals of playing the game and uh, it, technique and mechanics, things of that nature. Um, and, he, and, and he's really good at keeping it simple. 
which I think is is a good thing in sports. Um, and, he, and he's fun. He's he, he brings some levity to the program as well. You know, you asked a question earlier about you know getting a program started um, and and being successful and you know and those things. And he jokes around. He says, "Well, you know who the best coach is, don't you?" And I was, I'd say, "Who?" And he says, "The one with the best players." <laughs> and, uh, so uh, it, it's you know he brings a lot of levity to the program, but he brings a tremendous amount of knowledge. Uh, that, that really helps our players improve. And, I, and on a different level, if you look at his career as a, as a pro guy, uh, he, would, he spent some time in the minor leagues as a, as a manager uh, developing talent. And I think that's his forte. He's very good at developing talent. And when he managed in Oakland, it was a, you know, a, a, you know a, 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 an organization that did not spend a lot of money, so it was a lot of young guys It's so cool to have someone like that involved in the program. Do your players know who he is? Like, if you if you if you have a kid on campus and you say, "Hey, you know Ken Maka, he's going to be at practice every day." Does that mean anything to those guys, or do you have to explain? Um, you obviously, have like you have seventeen, eighteen year olds that are visiting campus, sixteen year olds are visiting campus. Do they have any idea who he is? Uh, you know what? The way I've found to get that across is I just tell them, "Hey, when you get home today, you're going to Google this name." And just read some stories about him. You know, read some things about him, see some things he's done, and be ready to come in and listen. And uh, because he'll work with you. Um, and and uh, so that that kind of gets the point across. And I, I do see our kids uh, acknowledging the fact as, as to what he's done, even though it was you know maybe a few years ago. Um, he does know how to relate to the kids. And uh, I think our guys know how to relate to him, and they and they respect that. And I think they look forward to it. And I've told uh, uh, some administrators in our place from time to time. You know, we we might be one of the only programs, college programs in the entire country, that has someone of that nature, you know, involved in our program on a daily basis. You know, so it's 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 pretty cool in that respect as well. That's really really special. I so I had uh, had another name that you'll recognize, and maybe. You know, certainly our older listeners will. Maybe some of the younger guys won't. But I had Bobby Valentine on a podcast not that long ago. But he is an athletic director now, and I kind of asked him if he, you know, if he's involved with the baseball program. He's up at Sacred Heart in Connecticut, and I said, you know, are you involved in the program at all? Do you, you know, do you talk to the coaches? Do you kind of, kind of give some advice? Do you do the thing that Ken Maka does? Call guys after, you know, call the coach the next morning after a game and say, hey, I think you need to work with this guy in this. And he said, no, I really just stay out of it and let them do their thing. And certainly, you respect that as an athletic director uh, or or in an athletic director. He's not, uh, he's not trying to coach. But yeah, I, I agree. You've got to be one of the only guys, one of the only programs around who's got someone with that sort of knowledge that sort of resume who's around all the time so that's that's like an unbelievable experience for your players it is and you know what it, it's good for our coaches as well because uh you and i were talking we have a young pitching coach right now um who is just you know getting his feet wet in, in coaching at the college level so ken is a good resource for him uh and he's a good resource for our, our uh, two other uh, volunteer assistant coaches, Adam Cunningham and Joel Yandrick. Uh, 
he'll he'll work with those guys as well. So we all learn from each other. And I, uh, one of my big things with education and coaching uh, is uh, wanting to be a lifelong learner. You see, guys, I think in the coaching profession, uh, or even in teaching and education, that get I hate I don't know if this is the right word to use get passed up um, as time goes on because they don't want to continue to learn. Uh, and all the guys in our program, to me, it's important that they want to be, like, like uh, as far as our coaches are concerned, they want to be lifelong learners. Um, they want to continue to learn more about the game of baseball. Yes, we've coached for, you know, maybe you've coached for 10 years, but, you know, do you really think you've got it all mastered yet? No, because there are some other things out there. Things may change from time to time. The basics stay the same, but, some techniques may change or this, you know, some little things may change and you've got to learn to adapt and, and move with, move with the times. And all of our guys are willing to do that. So that helps as well. I, I love that you have that perspective of, you know, having lifelong learners on your staff and being a lifelong learner yourself. And, and just kind of going back to having, um, Coach Maka on your, on your coaching staff and what that means to your young guys. So recently, on, uh, I'll just bring up this uh, this happening, and, and there's a reason behind behind bringing it up. But recently, there was um, uh, a, a, just a, a short interaction on Twitter between me and a young coach, a, a younger coach, a guy that uh, that coaches at the Division three level right now. And you know, I'm 36. I'm not coaching anywhere, and I, I get that. But I've you know, I had a pretty good coaching career as a college coach, and and had a pretty good amount of success, and and uh, and there are things that that happen now, uh, or that, that at least are, you know, made a thing on social media that I just think are are bad for the game, and sometimes I'll speak out about certain things, and, um, and so recently I saw something. Basically, it was a guy throwing a bullpen. Uh, looked like a high school player. Throwing a bullpen, and and you know before the ball was even in the catcher's glove, the pitcher and the catcher were both looking at the radar gun, and uh, and it was a personal guy set a personal record. He hit ninety for the first time, and and the you know the pitcher and the catcher were like jumping up and down, celebrating it. And I just said something about how I, I just don't feel like that should be the the focus of a bullpen. Like I understand, I I love velocity as much as anybody. I recruited right. the heck out of velocity as a as a recruiting coordinator. I wanted velocity, but I just. I guess I feel like when you're on a mound throwing to a catcher, there are other things that that should take precedence. But but now that's just because of all the you know there are every every town seemingly has its has its own facility and like an indoor facility where guys are trying to make a living giving lessons and and those guys sometimes I think are kind of put in a corner almost sometimes where they just they kind of they always have to be creative they always have to do something new to keep people coming in or else you don't get people that come in so i guess where i'm kind of going with this is that i i I posted that and another coach just said kind of wanted to uh uh he disagreed with me that sometimes you can have bullpens that focus on that i got a text message from a good friend of mine who's um he's a power five assistant coach power five pitching coach and uh, he texted me and basically said, I mean, he's old, he's even older than I am, and you know, he just said these. He said it's amazing to me, Jeff, how these like twenty five year olds want to tell me like all the things that I'm doing wrong and all the things that I could be doing better, and 
and he he brought up a situation recently where uh, he was sitting with a young coach, a 25-year-old coach, that said that he totally changed the culture at this college where he was. And the guy said, well, what's your overall infield philosophy? And and the 25-year-old coach didn't have an answer. And, okay, like, what's your, you know, what do you, where's your positioning with, uh, you know, what's your positioning for the third baseman with, uh, you know, with with nobody on and a no you know non bunting situation, and what's your positioning for this and for that? He asked him several questions, and a guy didn't have answers. And he's like, "This is the guy that's trying to tell me like how to do things." So I guess to bring this all together, Coach, I, I love that you have someone like Ken Maka on your staff, and love that your assistant coaches want to are willing to listen to him and learn from him. Do you have you seen with your own eyes, either from players coming into the program or young coaches that you? Uh, will encounter, you know, on the road, at camps, wherever it may be, uh, recruiting. Do you feel like that because of the explosion of training facilities around the country, and your area is certainly no different, that that sometimes coaches can overcomplicate the game? And I guess to really to bring this back together, I'm asking this question because you brought up Ken Maka and how he's He's really good at teaching fundamentals. He's really good at teaching mechanics. He's really good at developing players, but he's also really good at keeping it simple, which to me has always been something that's, that's got to be a focal point for a coach, the old, the old KISS method, keep it simple, stupid, right? And I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, but now I feel like the game can get very, very complicated because, and in my opinion, it's because of the, the explosion of these hitting facilities or, or indoor facilities where guys are constantly needing to teach something new or else they don't, they don't have people coming through the door and, and they don't have a paycheck to, to go home with. Is that something that you've seen or is that something that social media maybe blows out of proportion? I, I think it is. I think it's true. Uh, and and I, I get it to an extent where if I'm a business owner that owns, let's say I own an indoor hitting facility, um, you know, it, it's almost like you, I, I guess those guys feel compelled that they've got to be on the cutting edge all the time and they've got to be presenting something new uh, just to keep their business going. So as a business person, okay, I, I get that. But as a coach, um, I still understand, and this is just me personally, I still understand when I teach the fundamentals of fielding a ground ball, you know, uh, the, the, the keep it simple, stupid thing, you know, like, like we just, like you just mentioned, is uh, you know that that's you got to have that. Um, you got to square the ball up. You got to get and, and and you just can't always just talk to kids. You got to show them or have someone demonstrate to them. Hey, this is what it looks like. You know, you, you square the ball up. And one of the things we talk about, just like you know, with our infielders, for example, is. Um, you know, you square the ball up and you, you make a triangle with your hands and arms and, and you field the ground ball and wherever your glove was when you fielded that ground ball, if you're a, a, a right-handed thrower, your next steps with that right foot, you step where that, where your glove had been when you fielded the ball. You step one, you know, one, one, two throw. And cause we have so many kids first day out there, we're hitting fungos and, Guys are fielding ground balls, taking two, three, four steps before they throw the ball. And we pull them off the side and say, you know what? You do that at this level, just about every guy in a college lineup can run a little bit. And, uh, if you don't get, if you don't field it and get rid of it, uh, it's, you know, the guy's going to be safe. And so you got to get them to break some of those, some of those habits, but it goes back to being simple. Um, 
So, and, and I understand everybody has their own philosophy on things, and that's fine. But there's, there is, I, I believe there are a lot of things thrown out there that are just gimmicky and I, you know, eye candy. You know, uh, people like it, and people are going to spend money, and that's going to keep me going. So, I, I think, but I still think those guys could do it if they just taught the basic fundamentals, and because uh, that, that's that's what's going to make the kids better players. The unfortunate part, and this is where I like—I don't even know if it's. 100% the fault of these guys, but like what sells is not always what works, <laughs> as you know, and I think anybody that's just that's been around a little bit, that's just, and whether you're talking about baseball or anything else, that's just kind of the reality. Like people, sometimes when it's too simple, people don't really buy into it. Or like with this with this website, with Figured Out Baseball, I know that you know, college coaches, college and high school coaches seem at this point to be more apt to subscribe to this website than parents. And it's like parents would rather go out and pay $80 for a lesson than they would, than they would to come onto a website and watch videos for free, you know, videos created by college coaches that are showing, you know, hitting drills or, or fielding drills or pitching, like anything you need on the pitching side is for, from a throwing program to, you know, uh, like at post throwing uh, arm arm care or just whatever strength program, full strength programs written by, you know, college strength coaches. But the majority of our subscribers are coaches. And it's like, to me, that's just, it's mind blowing to me how parents don't flock to this website i'm not trying to pat myself on the back because i honestly coach have very little to do with what's on this website you know in this conversation um you know other conversations i might (laughs) i might get on my soapbox for a few minutes here and there but like you're providing the content we're talking to you know legitimate successful college coaches on these podcasts and same thing with videos we have um you know over 600 videos on the website that are all created by guys at the college level or above and and it's like parents would rather pay a guy who never played beyond the high school level, but who has all these really fancy terms um, and like terminology that you don't understand has all these gimmicky things, and they'd rather pay for that than listen to someone like you, like what actually with you know as far as what actually works and what you actually teach kids on a day to day basis. Yeah, that oh, that's that that's very true, and and that goes back to uh, I, I've said this before. I'm very much look forward to a couple of different things. Number one, looking at things, uh, you know, for example, your website that provides some, you know, some awesome information, learning from other coaches, um, going to coaching clinics, um, attending the ABCA uh, convention every year, things like that, where you get a chance to learn. And I've always said, if I ever get to a point where I don't get excited about that, then it's time to stop coaching because I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to help the kids and because that's who we're trying to help here. And a funny story about something along those lines, uh, back in 2011, it was the last time we went to the World Series, um, we, had, we had a kid on the team. He was a pitcher, a great kid, awesome kid with a great attitude um, and everything, but he had his own pitching coach, I guess, uh, and I was not aware. He had like a someone his parents were paying to give him lessons. So we're in the middle of our season, maybe three fourths way through the season, and a kid comes up to me at practice and he says, "Hey, coach," he said, "Do you 
you think I'm going to throw a bullpen today? And I said, I don't know. I said, you got to check with Coach Malarski. That's, he's the pitching coach. He sets all that stuff up. And I said, why do you ask? And he said, well, I'm supposed to go to my pitching coach tonight. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I said, wait a minute here. He, I, I said, have you ever heard of the, 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 the phrase, uh, too many cooks ruin the soup? <laughs> and, he, and he just looked at me and I said, I, I said, uh, Billy, I said, uh, you know, I understand, you know, maybe you've worked with this guy. I said, that's, that's okay. I said, but right now, I said, you've got a full-time pitching coach in Coach Malarski who's very dedicated to learning and teaching you and helping you. And you've got a former major league manager in the bullpen with you, Ken Maka, to bring, you know, mention his name. I said, what more do you want? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and that, and I do think a lot of kids get, get into this. A bad situation, and it's not their fault, but it's uh, you know, five. I had a player say this to me just a couple days ago. He said, "You know, coach, we're talking about hitting." And he said, "You know, coach," he said, uh, "If you have like four or five different hitting coaches, you could be getting four or five different philosophies." I said, "Exactly." I said, "And maybe none of those philosophies are wrong, but they're different, and you've got to find a philosophy that works for you and try to stick with it." And you're right. You get too many voices in your head, and and I see that a lot uh, with kids. Uh, you know, too many. They're getting advice from you know four or five different areas, and you know that that just complicates it even more. When you're talking about you know something like hitting, I mean, hitting's hard enough as it is when things are going well. Um, plus, you start to complicate things, and you got two or three people telling you two or three different things. Then, then you start to have a mess on your hands. I couldn't agree more with the too many voices in your head. And I think you're also 100% right that if a guy's got five different hitting coaches, all five of those guys are, you know, more than likely, I, I don't think there's any case where they're not trying to make that player better. You know, their their intent is to to help that guy. Right. And and probably and potentially all five of those philosophies could work for that player, but you can't hear five different voices at one time and expect that to work in, in any scenario and um you know to me even if and I you know I don't know I don't know the pitching coach on your staff, I don't know who that player was seeing, but even if the the private coach was the better pitching coach, in my opinion, in season, it's better to be with the guy who sees you every day has seen every outing, has seen every bullpen, like that coach is just going to have a better, unless that coach is just, I, I don't know, completely, uh, if you if you completely disagree with his philosophy, maybe that's one thing, or if the coach is just, yeah, he doesn't, I don't know, he's not, doesn't pay much attention to you personally, but, but in 95%, 99% of the cases with college coaches at any level, doesn't matter what level, but every I think every college level that pitching coach is with you every day is going to have a better idea of what you need to do day to day than the guy who sees you once a week, and especially the guy that never sees you pitch live. Exactly. Oh, I agree with you 100 percent on that. Absolutely, and and you know you and I both agree on the fact that you know those you got three or four pitching coaches or three or four different hitting coaches. They may have some different philosophies. Doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that it. You know, if you put them all together, it just kind of it, it can cloud things in the player's mind. Um, 
So, you know, there are a lot of different ways to do things. And there are a lot of different ways, you know, with hitting, you know, there are a lot of different ways to swing the bat. But not everybody needs to look the same. But there are, you know, three or four things every hitter needs to do to have a chance to be successful. You know, you, you've got to have, you know, good weight transfer and stay, you know, stay back and, you know, all those things. And um, so, but it doesn't mean everybody has to look the same. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do, you know, agree that, uh, you know, some kids, and, and then that, that leads to kids pressing. Uh, hey, coach, what am I doing wrong? Uh, you know, you get a lot of that. Um, and, and, and that's okay, except for when it gets to a point where it starts to really affect, you know, the kid just, you know, the player just overthinking things all the time. And then it goes back to, for me, just trying to keep it simple. Uh, the simpler you keep it, the, the less is in your mind. You just go up there and react and you play and have fun. So I'm with you 100% on that. That simple approach has worked for so many people for so long. And, you know, anytime I hear anybody that, that kind of has a different philosophy, in my opinion, they're just, those aren't on field coaches. Those are guys that coach in a cage. And, uh, and there's nothing again. I think there's a lot of, and let me just, I, there's a lot of really good coaches that do that. But if you're trying to overcomplicate it, to me, I, I just think you're not preparing a guy for a game. Maybe there are times in the off season when you can introduce some more complex things that you want to that you want to sort of take this hitter or pitcher to the next level. So we're going to teach you this, but it's got to be like that's got to be an off season thing. Where by the time you get to the spring, it's second nature to the guy, and it's not something he's having to think about. And it's it's funny that we're talking about this because I've I've heard this even a number of times from pro coaches. You know, I, I have. Um, you know, minor league coaches from time to time on this podcast. And I hear the same thing from them that like they'll have guys that go home in the off season and come back and they've been working with a private instructor, private coach, whatever throughout the whole off season. And a guy comes back and, and sometimes they're better. And sometimes they have to like coach things out of guys that, that these private instructors are trying to coach into them. And it's not just a problem at the college level. I think it's a problem at a lot of different levels. And, and to have, you know, I think it all, a lot of it just comes back to, actually seeing a guy play on the field and what does this player need so coach Draggy, if we talk about the day-to-day stuff that you do with guys um you know to to not overcomplicate to keep it simple what are what are basic things that your players are doing every day on the field that you believe are like that that's the keeping it simple this is sort of the everyday fundamentals that we want to establish you know what what are your whether you want to talk about hitters pitchers um you know any defensive position that you want to talk about if you could just pick you know just pick maybe one or two um uh categories of players but like what are some what are some basic things like day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month some sort of things you're doing goals that you have in place for guys to to you know teach them what you need to teach them but also just to, to with the the overall picture of just trying to keep it simple with them well uh and I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this you know baseball's a game of and just like a lot of sports baseball's a game of repetition um so and it's not about just getting a high number of reps. It's, it's for me personally. It's it's about getting uh, uh, quality reps, whether it be in the cage or hitting, you know, on the field or fielding ground balls, outfield work, whatever it may be. Um, throwing skills, which I think is maybe one of the more undercoached areas in the game of baseball. Um, but we we do a, like a structured throwing program every day. Um, 
you know, we go through and we walk, you know, we, we almost hold their hands and take them through it every day. It's very structured. You know, we two knee throwing, one knee throwing, no stride throwing, sideline or post position throwing. And then we get into regular throwing and start stretching it out to long toss. But we constantly look at, um, when you're talking about fundamentals, we're looking at, you know, hey, what's your footwork? You know, remember your right hand, it needs to be right, left, you know, step through, get a nice step through every time, things of that nature. So we try to focus on that. Then when we get into infield play, you know, just about every day we want our guys taking ground balls, obviously. So, um, but I tell guys all the time, I'd rather have you go out and take, you know, 30 or 40 really good ground balls with good, good actions and good footwork and all those things rather than, you know, 300 ground balls and your fundamentals are all out of whack and then you're not squaring balls up things of that nature. So we start off like with our infielders, we'll do maybe three or four minutes, five minutes of uh, just some basic fundamental work. Sometimes it might be one-on-one where they're rolling balls back and forth with a partner or it might just be, we got two or three lines and we're just, uh, you know, we've got our first baseman and then we got to get another base out and set up another first base uh, closer to home plate and we'll have two lines of players, a third baseline and a shortstop line, just hitting them ground balls, routine ground balls. We got to square them up and throw and they got to field maybe 10 of those. And then we move on to our positions and, and, you know, work those fundamentals into game situations. So, and I think that leads into something we talk a lot about with hitting. I don't know, my, and I'm not a hitting coach by trade, but my belief is uh, if you really want to work on something in your swing, okay, maybe you need to get down in a cage and we'll do some T work or soft toss or front toss work. And we actually, when we get out on the field and take BP, we want that to be as game-like as possible. Um, in other words, you get in, get in, you know, you, you're out on the field taking live BP. Get up there, and this is this is a game right now. You're no think. There's no thinking. We're not thinking about what you were working on in the cage per se. We just want you to go up there and react. And hopefully, you can take what you worked on in the cage and make it second nature out on the field, and then hopefully carry it into a, a obviously a real game. So, uh, you know, we we just have a set of things that we want to do. You know, we want our outfielders working on drop steps and angled ground balls every day. So we, you know, give them two or three drills a day to work on those things. And, um, infielders, as I just mentioned, we, you know, some of the things we do there and, uh, with our hitters every day, we spend anywhere from five to 10 minutes. We do, uh, like a partner soft toss kind of thing. So, uh, they partner up with a, you know, a teammate and uh, they get five baseballs and, their bat and they just take turns giving each other five five swings and we'll do that for five to ten minutes but we also make sure that we teach them this is how we want to do soft toss we're not just flipping the ball up there and the guy swinging we want to work on good solid mechanics every every swing and we tell our guys every day you know hey what are we hitting today and everybody has to say we're hitting line drives okay so that's your focus every day when we're doing a soft toss, you know, maybe staying inside the ball, uh, but we want a line drive every time. So it gives them something to focus on. And, you know, the other thing with our hitters we're working on, you know, soft toss, we show them we want you to toss the ball. So but when the hitter 
sees me get ready to toss him the ball. He does a nice take back, gets his weight back, and goes through the baseball. So we just try to really break it down as, as much as we can, but yet keep it back. There we go again. Keep it simple. You just mentioned toward the end there that your goal every day with your hitters, just generally speaking, is to hit line drives. Um, I'm going to bring this up as a, as a coach, you know, intentionally as a coach who's been around for a very long time, as a coach who's had a lot of success. Um, now, as you know very well, the, the major league game is about hitting the ball in the air. And for major leaguers, that doesn't, that's to me, I guess just to, to give it a, a verbal visual, that's, they're kind of trying to hit high line drives. You know, they're trying to hit the ball, hit balls that would, uh, you know, be off the wall slightly over the wall. Not, not necessarily fly balls, but not necessarily like, like, you know, line drives that are going to one hop an outfielder either. They're, they're primarily in the major, major leagues trying to hit the ball over the outfielder's heads, right? As a trajectory. Um, at your level, uh, do you ever get guys into your program that are that have been taught before they get there to to do something similar to try to hit the ball in the air, quote unquote, try to hit the ball over the outfielders' heads, where it just it, it it results in you know too many fly balls for you in in your opinion. If you do that, how do you if you do have guys in your program that have been taught that, which I think is just another. You know, it's another phenomenon of guys just coaching people in cages and not actually on a field, especially a, a college-sized field. If you get guys in your program that that's been drilled into their head, the best thing they can do is hit the ball in the air over the outfielders, trying to hit the ball over the wall. What what's the conversation you have with that guy when he gets on campus? How do you convince him that hitting a line drive is a much better idea than than trying to hit the ball? over the wall, per se. Okay, so so I think that term everybody uses now is launch angle, right? Yep. That's, the, <laughs> that's, the, that's the catchy term. And, and you know what? That's, I guess for me as a coach, I mean, if you can hit the ball over the fence, then that's great. Um, personally, our ballpark is uh, 345 down the lines, 385 in the alleys, and 399 to center. So you, you better be a big, strong man with some bat speed if you're going to hit home runs in our park and that's fine but i'm you know i'm a guy that uh, i don't know my philosophy is kind of you bring kids in and hopefully they're they're good kids and they're talented and you see that bats you know if we're talking about hitting okay we see that bat speed and that ability to put the ball in play and maybe they are a guy they've been taught you know hey i gotta get the ball in the air you know all that stuff, um, and but I'm a line drive guy. But and I'll do this with just about any kind of player. You know, I'm going to allow you some leeway to do some things because maybe at some point you're not going to be successful. And then I've always been taught, you know, that's the most coachable moment. You know, so if a guy's a guy that wants to get the ball in the air, okay. Okay, Tommy, or hey, okay, Billy, you know, you want to hit the ball in the air. Go ahead. Now, we're 10 games into the season, you're hitting a buck 80 because you got a bunch of fly balls. Now, maybe we need to rethink this. And usually that athlete will be more uh, receptive to 
to looking at, okay, maybe I do need, do need to flatten up and swing a little bit and get some line drives and, you know, keep my backside up and, you know, get on top of the ball a little more. So we look for coachable moments because I just feel like not every, not everybody's the same. Not every player is the same and they've all been taught different things. You got kids coming from all types of different programs and who knows what they've been taught or haven't been taught. So, try to work with them in that respect and I think that also leads to that player trusting you a little more um, in that he gave you know we give them some leeway and if it works for them okay fine but at some point in time something may not work for you and you may need to make an adjustment and you need to be receptive to people that want to help you make that adjustment so I don't know if that makes sense or not perfect sense and it's spoken like a guy who's been coaching for 30 plus years that's a, a great, great philosophy. And it's hard to do sometimes because as a coach, you see a guy struggling and you, you just, you know, you can help him, but he's not going to be as willing to listen when he's having success or even just in the, maybe in the fall before you really, you're keeping many statistics and, and you're, you're facing your own team and you're, you have 15 pitchers on your, on your pitching staff. And, you know, the guy, that guy's facing pitcher number one and pitcher 15, but in the spring, he's only going to face like one through eight, one through 10. He's not going to face, you know, 11 through 15 uh, on the depth chart. And, and, uh, and so, and obviously he's going to get four at bats against the number one, you know, before he faces even, even number six. Um, so, you know, that, that changes things a lot. And that's a, a very, very mature way to look at that. How, how, uh, how difficult is that for your young coaches to do? Um, it's, it's not, they're good with it because, uh, and, and I think the reason we're okay with, we're a, a little more comfortable with it is, um, three of our assistant coaches are former players in our program. So they've kind of, you know, they've been through it as a player and now they're seeing it as a coach and, you know, they'll say things to me sometimes, you know, Hey, man, this kid we have right now, he reminds me of one of my teammates, you know, five or six years ago. So, uh, you know, they do a good job of relating, and uh, they're good at picking up on it. And they're a good, uh, I guess, conduit to the kids where they'll explain, hey, this is why we want to do this. Hey, I was here as a player, and and eventually you got to give it a chance, and eventually it'll work. You know, so... Uh, so, so that's, that makes it a little easier, I think, for us because our coaches have all, all of our coaches, you know, uh, assistant coaches have played in our program. So I want to bring up something else with you just to kind of change gears and, and go a little bit of a different direction for the, maybe the last part of this podcast. But so I, I grew up in, you know, in the, in the region where, where your, where Westmoreland County Community College is located. And when I was coming through high school, you just, I, I never, you never heard players talk about going to junior college, wanting to go to a junior college program. It was, it was really four year, talking about four year schools, whether it was division one, two, three, uh, that was basically what was discussed. There aren't really many NAIA programs in this area of the country. Uh, Point Park in Pittsburgh is one of the only ones in this in this area, at least in in Pennsylvania, certainly, and um, just not a lot of those on the East Coast. Um, but but junior college is another is just a level that's overlooked a little bit here, and I think part of that is maybe because of just some stigmas that fair or unfair are associated with junior college. 
Um, and I'll give you my own personal thought of it, and I can't remember the name of this player, but there was a player about my age, a left-handed pitcher who was drafted out of high school uh, around here, and I, and I played summer collegiate ball against him. And I think that it was the year after he was drafted out of high school, he was playing in this league, and... Um, and he was going to a junior college program at that at that time. Even even as I, I was probably a, just finished my freshman year of college, my view of junior college baseball was that's where guys who get drafted or have a chance to go drafted go because I knew you can get drafted out of junior college as a freshman and sophomore, whereas at a four year school you can't get drafted until your junior year or until you're 21. I thought, okay, that's where guys that have a chance to get drafted go or guys that are academically ineligible for a four-year school. That's where they go. That's the junior college route. So that was, you know, I was good academically. I was not a draft guy at any point in my life, uh, but especially out of high school. So I just, I never really gave junior college a thought. Um, can you? Would you mind just kind of touching on, just to help educate people, what the academics are really like there? Like what kind of academic kids do you get? Um, how does it work academically just to try to to snuff out that stigma of junior college if anybody listening to this has that? Well, I, you know, I think we touched on this a little bit. I think if you look at different parts of the country, uh, junior college uh, or community college, not just athletics, but colleges in general are looked upon a little differently. Um, there, It's not, I, I don't want to say looked down upon, but, it, but they are considered... Uh, and especially athletically, um, there are kids in the Midwest, you know, they they look forward to going to a junior college and uh, they might be good students. And, and I feel like in our part of the country, uh, Western Pennsylvania specifically is what I can speak to. There's there's not that knowledge uh, of what can happen. So what I what we try to explain to people and, and young men when we're recruiting them in high school and we try to break it down for them and look at you know there are there are a lot of good reasons to go to a four-year school there are a lot of good reasons to go to a junior college or a community college and, and I'm going to try to explain this to you and we try to factor in you know the baseball part of it where um, okay are you being recruited by a four-year school and they might say yes, they might say no. If they say no, then we say, okay, do you really want to play baseball? And they might say yes. And then we say, okay, if coach so-and-so at a four-year school is not recruiting you, we're at a time where, you know, four-year schools, if they're not recruiting you, you probably don't have much of a chance of playing at that, at that, in that program. Um, so you might want to look at a junior college because it gives you an opportunity to play as a freshman. And that's the other thing, you know, maybe maybe you're going to be a preferred walk-on at a four-year school or, or whatever. Um, so do you really think you're going to play a lot as a freshman? Now, if you think you can go to a four-year school and contribute as a freshman, then I think you need to really consider going to that four-year school. But if it's a deal where you're just walking on or a preferred walk-on or something along those lines, you might really want to give us a look because you're going to have a chance to come in here and play as a freshman. You know, we can't guarantee you, you know, how much playing time, but I'm just telling you, you're probably going to have more of a chance to play here as a freshman and get that college experience that a four-year school is going to look for in a year or two. And I was talking to one of our players yesterday 
about this. Uh, you know, he's looking at a four-year school, and, and I told him, I said, you need to get on that roster, get on that website, and look, does this coach just primarily recruit high school kids or junior college kids or a combination? And it's a really good Division II program. Uh, the, the program does recruit. I think I think he had 15 junior college kids on his in his program. So I told my player, I said, hey, this is something you might want to look at because obviously this coach believes in the junior college kids too. He likes a mixture of JUCO kids and high school kids. So, uh, you know, you got to look for certain things and see where you have the best chance to contribute, compete, and play. And that's kind of how we try to sell our program and try to educate people. And then we also have some academic scholarships available uh, that have nothing to do with athletics. Um, but I think, like I said, I think we have four, maybe five guys right now that are on full academic scholarships. And there are three or four others that, that, that could get them also, but either they didn't apply for the scholarship or whatever um, because they only give out so many. But, but there are a lot of scholarship opportunities here for our kids. And so, therefore, we do have a lot of good students in our program as well. Our, our GPA in the fall was, I want to say, like a th- our team GPA was uh, 325 or 315 maybe. So we were very happy with that. And uh, we, like to see, we like to see those things because at the end of the day, you know, these guys are, are – and I think they all understand most of them are going to need that education to do whatever it is they want to do later in life. If you had to guess and put a number on it, how, what what percentage of the credits from Westmoreland County Community College transfer, regardless of what four year school guys you know go to, and not just baseball players, but just um, any any students at, at the at the community college when they go to four year levels, what percentage of the call of the credits transfer do you would you say? Oh. A lot, I would say at least 90% because the, the only, with us, we've got great transfer agreements with every school in the state and, and, and even schools outside of Pennsylvania. But um, basically, the only credits that don't transfer are, you know, if, if a kid makes a D or less in a class, that's not going to transfer. Or if they take, uh, if they have to take a what we call a developmental course at our place, that developmental course uh, will not transfer. That's fair enough. I mean, I think it's probably the same that, almost anywhere. Yeah, but outside of that, we have some awesome transfer uh, agreements with with a lot of schools, and 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 a lot of them even help with tuition uh, when they transfer out of our place. That's terrific. And, and what about? Just price-wise, well, just kind of while we're talking about junior college in general and almost getting away from baseball a little bit, but I think it's important for people to be educated on on what exactly junior colleges are. Four pockets of the country where junior college programs aren't as uh, aren't as well thought of. Like I know, obviously, there are pockets of the country where where a lot of kids want to go to junior college out of high school. They're very very familiar with it. In other parts of the country where there aren't really many around, so so. You know, people don't. I don't think people really give them a a, a really good look. What's uh, what are we talking about? Well, if you could compare what the tuition costs at Westmoreland County Community College to to just say a state school, 
is it is it similar? Is it significantly cheaper for for a credit for a semester? Do you have, do you have any idea? Can you can you give people an idea just price wise, like how uh, you know would it be? Is it financially beneficial to go to a junior college for two years as well? Absolutely. Uh, um, basically, our place is uh, for an in county resident. It's about five thousand dollars a year, maybe a little less. We'll just use five thousand for the year, not for a semester. For the year, correct for the year. And uh, an out-of-county tuition student is going to pay double tuition, and an out-of-state will pay triple tuition. Now, if you are an out-of-state resident, your first year you'll pay triple tuition, but if you come back the next year, you'll be considered an in-county resident. And you'll receive in-county tuition, which is which is nice uh, for those out-of-state kids, uh, and that goes for out-of-county students as well. Um, but yes, it's it's five thousand, roughly five thousand dollars a year to to attend uh, Westmoreland. <laughs> That's pretty darn good. It is. It, it's a significant. Uh, uh, significant savings, and, and that's another reason. You know, we point out to kids. You know, we say, "Hey, there are a lot of good reasons, and there may be some negative reasons." But one of the positives is, you know, economically, it's it's a better fit for a lot of people. You know, it's it's going to be, you know, less money you have to borrow, less money you have to save for college, whatever it might be. So, you know, it, it's it's a good a good solid financial decision as well. That's terrific. Coach, this has been great. It's been very informative. It's been a very enjoyable podcast. I feel like we touched on a lot of different areas. And it's again, it's been uh, it's been really informative for people that have that have listened to this. This is Mike Draggy, everybody. He's the head coach at Westmoreland County Community College uh, in Western Pennsylvania, Youngwood, Pennsylvania, a junior college program uh, out there. And he's been there for a long time. Has had a lot of success, and he's got a couple more years in him. It sounds like. And coach, I want to just very sincerely thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I know you guys are preparing for a spring season, but you took the time anyway, and that means a great deal to me and and all of our subscribers. So thank you. Jeff, uh, thank you for having me. And as a coach, uh, I can see see that you're providing a lot of good uh, resources, knowledge, and insight uh, for you know some future college players and uh, and parents as well. You know, f- for all of us to look at. So so kudos to you and, and your gang for what you guys are doing. And it, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I enjoyed this this morning. I appreciate you having me.